0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, fires
1: downfield to Jamar Chase. has got it. Wow! Takes all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown.
2: NFL draft running back conversations with Pat Corrain is what we are going to be doing today on Road of His Overtime. I'm obviously joined by Sean Siegel, as we are every Road of His Overtime podcast. We're joined by the I'm, I'm sure you're getting used to this at this point, Pat. It is the bbm Tree winner, uh, Pat Corrain. But we're not going to be talking basketball today. We're maybe we'll tip into it a little bit, but we're going to be looking mainly at the rookie prospects. Maybe we might touch on them from a basketball perspective where they should be going and current drafts. If you're not already following Pat on Twitter, you can do so at Pat Corain. Pat has recently launched, since winning bbm tree, a pretty good branding opportunity there to you know, win that contest and launch your own website. We have legendaryupside.com. And of course, Sean joined him last week on the Legendary Upside podcast. So we're kind of a home and away for Sean here, and we're going to talk to Pat about some of the topics they didn't cover on that show. If you haven't checked that out, I would recommend head on over, subscribe to the podcast feed for Pat and obviously listen to him and Sean have those conversations. But welcome back to the podcast, Pat.
1: Thanks, yeah. Psyched to be on, psyched to uh, talk more with Sean. We did about two hours last week, and maybe we'll keep it under that for these shows. But uh, but yeah, lots to touch on.
2: Yeah, it's like uh, two hours with Sean and, and Pat, and I'm thinking, yeah, let's try and fit two podcasts here into a one-hour period. It's uh, I'm ready for the challenge. We'll see how we... We do, but starting off with uh, Bijan Robinson, you know, in redraft and baseball, how high do you think he should be going? I know if you want to, uh, you know, elaborate on the prospect side of things, but do you think where he lands is going to affect that ADP positively or negatively? Obviously, we don't know the landing spot, but how are you feeling on Bijan as a whole, and are we high enough on him in terms of uh, his ADP at the moment?
1: Yeah, it's been interesting because um, Sam Sherman put out a thread. Uh, a while back, kind of going through the potential landing spots and pointing out, like, there's not a ton of landing spots where we'd be, like, super psyched and maybe more landing spots than we'd really like to admit where we wouldn't be that excited about it. Um, But my feeling with Bijan is, like, it's my take is, like, a little simple, which is just, like, he's going to, he's Bijan. He's going to take over whatever backfield he goes to. So, like, landing spots, like, the commanders do not worry me. Like I think, I think Brian Robinson is a backup to Bijan Robinson, like no question. And then they don't really like Antonio Gibson. It seems like so. I wouldn't really be worried about those types of landing spots. I don't know that his ADP would necessarily like jump up a ton. Um, that's probably kind of what everyone's baking in. Uh, and I think right at the one-two turn, I think he's a strong pick. I mean, he's such a good prospect. He offers potential to really be crushing down the stretch maybe you're sacrificing a little bit of early season production you know compared to other picks like a Jonathan Taylor or something but um you're going to have this rookie running back with this incredible profile coming on down the stretch most likely so i like him there and then i think there's some outcomes like if he were to go to the vikings and they get rid of dalvin cook uh i mean he's like the 105 or something so i think there are some outcomes where you're getting a little bit of some ultra upside That's not currently priced in and then i personally think that like the really negative landing spots like even a i guess the chargers would be pretty bad where you feel like maybe he's more of a third round value uh but i'm willing to take that kind of risk because he'd still be in a really potent offense even in a case like that pat i just wanted to
3: as i jump in here congratulate you on everything we've done that on the show but also obviously we want to do it in person but specifically now the launch of you know your new brand, your new site, all of those things, the newsletter, the podcasts. I, I was mentioning that I love what you chose, and people who follow you know that it's based on the fantastic running back series that you've done and some other things like that. You've got the cool leg up portion there as, as the short port. But I mean the big thing is that the content has been fantastic, and so it's been so much fun to follow this prospect series that you've done. In the most recent piece is Dwayne McBride is worth the risk. So, I mean, he's somebody that Colin and I actually have drafted a lot in underdog. He's someone that it sounds like there's at least a slight chance that he could go early, although some of the inability to work out, I think, is is knocking that down. What are the strengths and weaknesses for him? Do you think he could go early and and doesn't matter for that type of back?
1: I think his profile is, well, first of all, thank you, Sean. That's, that's really kind of you to say. Um, but... Yeah, the the article on Dwayne McBride, I was excited to do. And this is this article, the way I've been doing the content is the first kind of big part, like the whoever the headline is with the, you know, the the title and everything, that part I'm keeping free. So all the rookie content on there um, is like premium, but the paywall starts like very late, like maybe a couple thousand words in. So so there's <laughs> lots of there's lots of good free stuff if you want to go check it out, including this article on McBride. I think he's one of the type. He's a type of back that I'm willing to, you know, chase into day three because his weaknesses are so obvious. Like there's, he probably should be drafted day three. He caught five career passes in college. I mean, that's absurd. He played 30 games. He caught five passes. So like, as a as an NFL franchise, you probably shouldn't spend a third round pick on that type of profile. But what he did do. As a rusher, was very impressive. He was highly elusive. He also ripped off fifteen plus runs at a high rate. Really good breakaway percentage. Uh, really good breakaway yards per game. He was able to handle a strong workload, and so like his per game numbers, you know, his missed tackles for us per game and everything looked very strong. He wasn't just kind of elusive on a per touch basis. He was racking up carries and then making guys miss and then picking up yards after the fact. So we love to see that. There are level of competition concerns for him. And, you know, there's the, the big, big concern that he's probably just a two down back. And there's the concern that how fast is he at top speed? Because when you watch him on his highlights, he's often caught from behind. And, you know, I'm pointing out, like, these are the highlights. You know, <laughs> is it the best place we got. <laughs> and he's getting caught from behind. So I think there's some Kadim carry risk. You know, he ran a 4-7. And it was like sort of a threshold of which, like, you have to be at least this fast. And that that's probably sub four seven to really be like installed as any, you know, to get any kind of run as an NFL back. I think he might be four six five though, you know, and I think that's fine because he clearly gets up to speed quick. He has good, he has very good acceleration, I think. Uh, and that's you know, proven out by the numbers with his breakaway yards. I mean, he's able to hit those chunk play runs. I don't think he's going like 50 yards to the house in the NFL, but I think he is gonna be able to put up, you know, 12, 15, 18 yard runs pretty regularly. So you think about him as like a totally free play which he is he's he's going in the last rounds of best ball drafts he's he's a late he's kind of a third round rookie pick type Um, and you think of like hey if he's rookie Gus Edwards that's a big win for me you know I think that's that's the kind of play we're making but he is worth the risk because he's kind of free right now
3: well you mentioned that four six five and I mean some of those Alabama backs have succeeded with profiles that are like that and i I'm always pretty concerned about them, especially because they're running behind NFL offensive lines, but they've done it all right there. And there's some data out there, or at least references to workouts out there that make him sound like a fantastic athlete. But at a certain point, you're like, I guess it doesn't matter if he can squat the entire opposing team, if they can all (laughs) catch him from behind. (laughs) Yeah, that's still a problem. So another guy who is... I think controversial, obviously, an earlier price. Tank Bigsby, somebody we had really early in our first volume of The Rookie Guide. We had to move him down a little bit because his workout numbers were pretty poor for his size. And then he has a decent pro day. You had mentioned on the show last week that he is not popular, not one of these guys you have to chase up. What are we looking at with Bigsby, somebody who was an elite recruit, had a great freshman season, but then I mean, has he built on that enough to be somebody... That we like at the NFL level. He has for me. And uh, he's been priced really cheaply
1: recently. You know, Izzy Banda Bannicanda is is uh just skyrocketing up boards right now. Um, and you know, he's coming off this amazing pro day. <laughs> you had him right above Zach Charbonnet in our in our podcast, uh, which is you know, about as it's one of the things where I'm like, I'm pretty high on a Canada and then Sean puts him ahead of charbonnet. I guess I'm a I'm a I'm a bear, I guess. Uh, but Tank Bixby and, uh, Kendra Miller have really been kind of dropping relative to a and are almost like in a different tier or like maybe even two tiers down in these best ball drafts right now. And to me, they're all kind of a part of the same group of backs where it's like, these guys all have pretty low floors, but they profile as potential three down backs. Um, it really depends on how much the NFL likes them given how well Bannacana worked out, it's, it seems most likely that, you know, he would be the guy who goes round three to me, but he was not as highly regarded before the workouts. And so, you know, it's possible that an NFL team has Bannacana ranked behind Bigsby, ranked behind Kendra Miller or something like that. So I think that Bigsby is pretty interesting. Uh, you know, he's not the most athletic guy, as you point out. He did run faster at his, at his pro day, and he's not like, you know, so slow that I'm worried about it. You know, he's probably like a four. He was in the mid four fives at his, at the combine in the mid four fours at his pro day. So he's probably a four five ish guy. He's kind of does everything pretty well. Like he's versatile. He, his yards per route run over the course of his career, right in line with Charbonnet and Roshan Johnson and Izzy Banacanda. So I think it's a pretty similar play where he's got the size. He's athletic enough. He was productive. He's got a good rushing profile. He's competent as a receiver. If he's a third-round pick, I mean, he could be like a like a starter, like, a, like an early down, like probably maybe he's losing some third downs, but, you know, he's kind of a, a clear 1A back. So my philosophy with this draft class has been to kind of spread out my bets a little bit and try to pounce when some of these guys slip, and for whatever reason, Bigsby right now is slipping.
2: You did touch on Miller there a little bit. You know, there's some of the elements of his game are good but not great and I think that's kind of what you're leaning at do you think though that there's a potential for him to be a round two rookie draft pick with potential breakout upside or, or are you thinking that with what you mentioned a moment ago he may not actually go as high in the NFL draft as people are expecting and then the likelihood of him having that upside is, is not going to be there
1: Miller's interesting because we, we we're not going to get the uh, or we haven't yet. We haven't gotten any testing on him, so he looks fast to me. I've seen some people compare him, sorry Sean, to Benny Snell, uh, which you know they're using as a as a downside comp. Benny uh, Snell. <laughs> yeah. They say you know he's not maybe not the fastest.
3: I don't. Maybe they're just saying he's got the best personality of any of the.
1: Yeah, prospects. maybe that's what they're saying. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He looks like he looks like he's got burst to me. I mean, when I first watched him, I was like, this guy kind of reminds me of like Aaron Jones or something. You know, he's really smooth looking and he's big, but he doesn't, the issue actually is that he's not that type of back, like at all. He's, he's, he didn't run many routes um, in college. And then he didn't have a great yards prop run. He's a bit below the other backs that I mentioned earlier. He's kind of in the range where I think he could probably be like a, you know, a three down back, like a Cam Akers style. Like he just stays out there all the time type of dude. But I'm more concerned about Miller in that regard than the other guys, because, he wasn't used as much in the passing game as they were. So it's not just efficiency, it's usage with him. Uh, But I mean, I, yeah, I like Kendra Miller. He's, he seems kind of like, it's like Dwayne McBride style, but like, I'm not, I don't think he's, you know, he's, he's faster than four, (laughs) seven, you know, I feel confident about that. Um, He's not like a total zero as a receiver. He's maybe there's some red flags, but he's not a total zero like McBride. Um, And I think he's going to be a pretty good NFL rusher. So, uh and the thing I like about Miller is that I, maybe there's some teams that are really high on him. You know, I think he's been kind of more in that day three, four mix uh, where he could be the guy that goes third round, you know? So I, I think getting Miller right now, he's tending to go a little bit ahead of Bigsby in these drafts, but sometimes I'll just grab them both. Um And I, I like, I like where he's going as well.
2: And to continue the theme of making some comps towards McBride, uh, Taji Spears, is he a smaller version? Do you think of McBride and, when we look at it then in terms of the peripherals and his impressive production, then we have the the forty time. What, what's your thoughts overall on, on Spears?
1: Spears I've struggled with because he he in my model he, he looks really good and I'm like but then all the comps that he has are terrible and then all they like my like his comps were Daryl Henderson, Duke Johnson Amir Abdullah and Ido Smith. And my model like, liked all of those guys as well. So I'm like, I think my model's broken when it comes to the Tajay Spear types. Uh, he's smaller than ideal. Um, and he's kind of like, I think the Duke Johnson thing is sort of like, you know, where Michael Carter comes to mind, where if he were to go somewhere and he could be like the guy for that year, I think he'd be pretty fun. But he just sort of profiles as one of these these backs that is going to be a constant risk of getting replaced. Like he doesn't seem like the type of back that the NFL really wants to lean on because he's only two hundred and one pounds. You know, he's five nine, five ten. So he's and he's a good pass catcher, but he's not like an insanely good pass catcher. He had a career one point four three yards per outrun, which is like definitely good. But when you look at a guy like Jameer Gibbs. Who's 199? I love Jameer Gibbs, but he has off the charts receiving efficiency. And then, like, basically, all the evaluators are like, this guy's an incredible receiving back, one of the best receiving backs to come out in years. You don't really hear that about Spears. He like, you know, he got some buzz at the Senior Bowl running routes and stuff. I think people are excited about him as a receiver, but it's not like that he's going to be this receiving superstar. I think he's more kind of like in the Duke Johnson type of mold. So, I've struggled a little, a little bit with him, and he's been more expensive so like my preference would be for him like normally this is the type of back that we're getting cheaper than the kendra millers and the tank Bigsby's. like the market generally prefers kind of the 1a rushing backs with like some receiving competence rather than going after a guy who profiles as kind of a third down he's going to start on the third down size and try to earn the rushing style normally we, we get those guys real cheap so i haven't drafted as much of spears but it's kind of
3: I think that's a good way to put it, because you kind of expect him to be even less expensive. Colin, you and I have taken him in a number of drafts as well. We're, We're hitting this range of back. And then someone we drafted in the last round recently, Pat mentioned, I thought, in a really encouraging context on the show last week. You were talking about playing the discount game with some of these RBs and already kind of at a higher price level. We've talked about that with grabbing the people who were unpopular. But the example you used last week was Sean Tucker and then Chase Brown. And Chase Brown, interesting, because at the Senior Bowl, which you just referenced, I think the GPS times that they had on him or or how they record that, he was actually faster than Spears, which when we know that Brown also had a very good workout. But then Brown to Evan Hall, is he someone that, like, you know, if we take him in the last round and – then kind of looking forward to rookie drafts. Can you take him? I mean, he's going to be somebody who could rise into round three. I think that you have a round four price tag on him. I'm interested in, in how this discount play works, especially, you know, reading through your profile on him, where maybe if the NFL were just a little bit more excited, then I mean, you could jump in with both feet.
1: Yeah. Well, and I I wonder if maybe we have the, because I was saying, you know, Chase Brown's arbitrage, Sean Tucker, and then you, you know, Evan Hall's arbitrage, Chase Brown. But like Sean Tucker with this medical red flag and stuff, and um, Dane Brugler had him, I believe, is his RB seventeen when he put out his draft guide. Sean Tucker, I'm talking about. And so like we might have the order of those arbitrage plays like mixed up, you know, because we don't know what the draft capital's coming in. These backs do strike me as pretty similar to each other, and we don't have numbers on Tucker. Uh, he self-reported some numbers, but we don't have you know any kind of time numbers by scouts or electronic times. Um, we do for Chase Brown, very athletic. And we do for Evan Hall, who's very athletic. Four four seven forty, 7'40". Uh, really strong 10-yard split, 37 vertical, 123-inch broad jump. Uh, he's very athletic. I don't really understand why there hasn't been much interest in Hall from the NFL. It seems like he's kind of a late day three type. And when you see guys rated as late day three types that means they're potential udfas i mean there's lots of times where we're like oh this guy will get drafted in the fifth round and he doesn't get drafted my concern with hull is that like there's a million backs who i've liked that we never hear from because the NFL just doesn't ever give them a chance they don't get drafted if he was to be drafted in the fifth round yeah i kind of like i might like him more than than brown and tucker like he's he's really athletic he's versatile He's very similar type of play to those guys. He's 209. So he's not like huge. You know, he's kind of on the borderline. Like, is that small Dalvin cook was 210. Like, can he put can he put on some weight and and keep that athleticism get to 215? Cause then we're talking about, you know, potential three down guys. So yeah, I think to me, the question is like, is where is he going to get drafted? Uh, ESPN had him at 302 overall. Brugler had a, a sixth round grade on him. So this is the, You know, it is the type of pick where you got to be willing to accept a full zero, a 0.0, never lugged a snap. (laughs) But I do think that, you know, as an upside play, he he is pretty fun.
3: It's just so weird to think about. That I mean, like you said, we've had backs before that we wanted to, to draft and then the NFL doesn't like them and you get these guys who were not athletic and basically didn't play in college going instead in the 5th and 6th rounds. And you're like, yeah. Well, it seems like there's some kind of like weird magic going on in the <laughs> draft rooms instead of what you might think. But the other thing with Hull is that it almost seems like he's being valued it, t- some of the things in his profile, you get the impression he's like 185 instead of the weight that you mentioned. I mean at that weight that athleticism I mean, you're you're kind of thinking too that maybe it's going to be a third down back type of play, and if he's not in the right team, or it could be you know multiple years in the future. But I mean, like you said, I mean he's not he's not one he's not a small dude.
1: Yeah, and I think one thing that's really nice about Evan Hall is he had a 1.56 career yards per out run, and he ran 15 routes a game. So you do I think have multiple outs to him getting a role if he's you know a sixth round pick. You know, like as long as he's like kind of in the building. I, I think he's pretty interesting. Um, and this is a the type of class where like, you know, I mentioned Tank Bixby and Roshan Johnson and uh, Izzy Abana Canada, like uh, Zach Charbonnet, like those guys all have the types of profiles where, you know, based on their career college efficiency as receivers, where they could be three down types of backs, but Hull is significantly better in terms of his yards per hour run than they are. He's, ahead of Spears. he's ahead of Devin a chain. Like he is, I think potentially more explosive as a receiver. whereas those guys are like, hey, they're already out there. Let's leave them out. they'll They'll can kind of do the third down duties, but they're primarily there to rush. He could actually get on the field as a receiver in a similar way to we're betting with with Tajay Spears, but I think if he does get on the field, maybe it's even more exciting than if Spears gets out there. So I don't know, draft this guy. How about that NFL. Come
3: on? Well, obviously, if he went to the Kansas City Chiefs, then you're going to see an explosion at ADP. But oh, also, yeah. if he went to the Chiefs, he would instantly be their best running back. <laughs> so, oh. I mean, if they spend a six-round pick on him, he's the, they have
1: the most uh, capital tied to him uh, You know, once they cut CH.
3: Do you have another sort of discount chain here for us where you've got some arbitrage plays that you're looking at a profile where you've got players at, at each level and you really like the cheapest guy.
1: Well, I think maybe McBride would be that other discount chain where you've got uh Izzy to uh Kendra to tank. Roshan would be in that chain. Uh but my thing is like rather than just taking the cheapest guy, I I strongly feel like mix up your bets with these with these backs who have very similar profiles, you know, where they're like, We're hoping they're installed is the clear lead rusher. And then they're out there enough on third downs to to be, you know, kind of like a fifth round type of fantasy pick, you know, which is like obviously a massive home run if you're getting them in the double digit rounds. So, Roshan Johnson, someone who hasn't jumped out to me as much as the, in terms of the numbers and stuff, but I am mixing him in. You know, I mix. I've talked Bigsby Miller, McBride, Izzy. I like all of those guys. I think you want to the backs who have that three down kind of classic size it it just it's a deep class that way and we don't really have that great a read of where the nfl stands on these guys who's gonna and and obviously landing spot will make a big difference in terms of their immediate opportunity for best ball drafts and stuff so i think mixing up your bets among those guys is really important um the reason that tucker chase brown and hall kind of all form a chain for me is that they're all a little smaller and so i'm worried a little bit more about their ability, they strike me maybe more as like they get installed as like Alexander Madison types, you know, where they're like the clear, the, the clear handcuffs who, if they or like an Eno Benjamin type of play where it's like, well, yeah, once the starter goes down, he does everything, but a team doesn't feel great about giving them everything in the first place.
3: And in reading through your tears, it seemed like you had Zach Evans sort of in that, uh, that second group, the non three down guy. That's how I view him. I mean,
1: He, I honestly was like, what is the deal with Zach Evans? Like, why does everyone like Zach Evans so much? And to me, it's like, oh, I guess it's because he was this incredible recruit. And, you know, he didn't really have that strong of a college career in my view. And, you know, he's smaller and he's kind of a committee guy. So I'm worried about him. Yeah. In the same way that I'm worried about Sean Tucker and, and Chase Brown, that he doesn't really get installed as a three down guy, uh, he, he has fallen. Now, you know, Zach Evans at one point was, I thought like kind of wildly expensive. He's fallen now to where you can mix him in with like McBride. If you, and to me, like if Sean, if I, I'm looking at Zach Evans and, uh, Dwayne McBride in the final round, I'm going to take Zach Evans. Cause I've taken Dwayne McBride a million times. So I, I would love to get more exposure to Zach Evans at you know, basically free. Because he is a type of guy where maybe a team is really into him uh, just based on kind of the pedigree and stuff. But, yeah, he, he fits for me more in that Sean Tucker, Chase Brown type of mold where he's a little smaller. He's probably more of a committee back. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit less excited about it.
2: You mentioned a couple of things there in terms of – how close it could be for some of these guys that we've already touched on to be at the late end of the draft based on how the NFL may or may not value some of their traits and characteristics so I think like obviously draft capital is going to be massive any year but the way these guys could fall in the draft or be drafted a little bit higher than we're expecting is going to make a, a huge difference to that so some of these guys may fall in by the time the draft happens into the sleeper category they they could as you mentioned with Hull be a an undrafted free agent come the the end of things here, but you may have already named one of them. Is there any other guys you think that we should be keeping an eye on who are you know that sleeper category on the borderline of a day tree pick into a UDFA?
1: I mean, we have to keep the light on for Deuce Vaughn, right? We just have to. This is the most fun. I've never had more fun watching someone than Deuce Vaughn. He like makes guys fall down from like 10 yards away, and I'm convinced that like the charters just like didn't do this right like when you make a guy fall down from 10 yards away that's like three broken tackles you get credit for three broken (laughs) tackles for that okay like we this isn't he's not getting the full credit he deserves for just how shifty he is uh but yeah i mean he's he's gonna be like the shortest running back basically in nfl history he's extremely small but i don't know like I remember watching Tariq Cohen in the fifth round of uh, the Road of His Dynasty League when we have to, and at that time it was IDP, and I was like, oh my God, I got to find I gotta find anyone I can draft. And I found a, uh, it was called the Human Joystick. It was a YouTube video of Tariq Cohen. And I was like, yep, this will work. me up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So that's kind of how I feel watching Deuce Vaughn. And I don't have Tariq Cohen. Uh, I don't have like advanced stats on Tariq Cohen. So you know he didn't come up as a comp for me for Vaughn because he I don't have the numbers to make him a comp, you know, Darren Sproles is way, way ahead of, of the time that I've got these stats, but like, that's who kind of, he feels like to me, obviously he's not going to be Sproles. Sproles is like the one-of-one the one type of outcome. You're never getting that again, but that, you know, I, he is, he's like such, he's super compact, you know, and he is a good receiver and he's so shifty. And I feel like, with him, there's no question about like how he's going to be used. The team isn't going to try to install him as an early down back and goes, "This just didn't work. He's he's no good." Like they, he's a satellite back. He's a definitely satellite back. He's capping out as a satellite back. But if he lands in a good situation, if he were to go to the Chief, Sean, I mean, that's really fun. So let's let's have would Deuce he be their best running
2: back in that situation?
1: <laughs> yeah, he would. He would. Patrick Mahomes just running around, then Deuce Fawns just opening the flat.
2: And not Jarek McKinnon roll.
1: Yeah.
3: Let's make it happen. Well, Pat, we're not going to do QB discussion on these two shows. We did all that last week, and um it's it's weirdly stressful. But we <laughs> you're, you're sick of me touting Will Levis. <laughs> no, you got me back on him. You got me back on him. I'm fired up. Moving Will Levis back into the I'm show. only on him because he's gonna get drafted high for the record. <laughs> so uh but we we've gotta have a a little bonus mini segment here where the OT listeners the members of the Sam howell 100% roster ship club have asked you to weigh in <laughs> and explain how career backup and plotting journeyman obviously Jacoby percent very good one of the things i mentioned i think last week i don't know if i said this i was definitely thinking it i mean set is one of the 25 best quarterbacks in the NFL. So I wouldn't be surprised if he played somewhere. But help our listeners keep their expectations in check and create some context for us on this Washington quarterback situation.
1: Yeah, so uh, this is – I must be – Just been. I've been saying way too much terrible things about Sam Howell. it got back to you, Sean. (laughs) Well, I I
2: actually got an email earlier today with that specific question uh, to to highlight it. So I don't know what you've been saying, Pat, but it's uh, nothing good. It's riled up the OT listeners.
1: No, I just it just strikes me like so in superflex drafts. Which you know, if you're drafting on underdog, underdog right now, um, you're you're drafting superflex, and and Howell there, I think makes more sense because you got to think about like what's the payoff on uh the pick you're making and there's a real payoff if sam howell is is a really good starter and the team you know does believe in him as their is their quarterback uh in one quarterback i don't know that the payoff's really there i mean mike leone's had uh an incredible article uh the best ball manifesto that he's been putting out and it showed that you know two quarterback builds really are dominant Sean, you've shown, shown similar research. You know, two quarterback builds are getting three in the window, in the quarterback window. Um, those late round quarterback flyer picks aren't very good, usually for best ball uh, in general. And so, and I think it's because like there often isn't that big of a payoff with these guys. And we could really, especially in these tournament type of structures, like that last round pick could be a spike week for you in the championship week. That could win you the whole tournament. And if you're spending it at quarterback, you're unlikely to get a spike week. And even if you do get a spike week, it's unlikely to separate you from the field or even the guy on your own team. It might be a spike week that doesn't hit your lineup because an earlier quarterback has an even better week. Um, that type of stuff happens. So structurally, I, I just he's the type of guy where I'm already like, mm, I'm not that interested. Then when you when I look at the situation, I'm like, you've got Ron Rivera, who's probably getting fired. He's the most uh, Should have been guy, fired
2: last year.
1: Yeah, he he's got the hottest seat in the NFL. I think he almost hasn't like really no chance of of getting a no chance. Shouldn't yeah, have any he's, chance. he's kind of yeah, it's kind of crazy. But then you also have Eric Bieniemy, who I think is you know trying to prove that he was not you know like he hasn't gotten a shot to be a head coach. And you know I I imagine some of that's because people are basically like, well he gets to play you know he gets to coach Patrick Mahomes, so he's got a he's got a lot on the line this year. Um, and when you look at Sam Howell as a prospect, he took a lot of sacks. That was a really big red flag for him. Uh, and that's the type of thing that could get his coaches pretty irritated. And you also look at who these coaches were. Well, the same coaches that basically didn't want to play him last year. And Taylor Heineke had to be like, yeah, bench me so you can see what you have in Howell, guys. I mean, that's, (laughs) that's pretty bad. That's a bad sign when <laughs> the coaches have to be told by the starting quarterback to take a look at the other guy. I know he had a good fantasy game um, that week, but like he actually in EPA per play, he was like pretty middling. It, it wasn't bad. It, you know, in his first start and everything. So I'm not saying, oh, he stinks because that one start. But there's sort of a narrative that, like, oh my God, he has such a high ceiling because that one start. And I would say like, kind of hold your horses on that a little bit. And then want to talk about last year's play. Jacoby Brissett was very good last year. So it's not like I'm saying he's gonna get benched for Heineke. But I think Jacoby Brissett is much better than Heineke, you know. So Heineke leaving, Brissett
2: coming. I think we in. all agree on that, Sean. We're all in agreement on well, that.
3: I mean yeah. Jacoby Brissett much better than Deshaun Watson, seems like. <laughs> yeah,
1: there you go. So so you know, it's a tough I think Howell's in a tough spot. I think he's gotta be pretty flawless. Um, and he doesn't he isn't that type of guy. Like he's he's fun. You know, we sort of thought about him when he's coming in is almost like kind of like Baker Mayfield, but maybe runs a little bit more or, you know, sort of Baker Mayfield, but it works. It's his prospect profile, but I don't think it's going to be completely smooth sailing. And these coaches like really, I-, I think they could have a pretty quick hook. And what do they care? Like if they if they like, oh, we have to make sure we're developing this quarterback for the future. Like there is no future if you're Ron Rivera, like you just got to win games, man.
2: I think though if uh, if they do make a coach and change early in the season I think it's Rivera goes and I think Bienna maybe becomes the head coach of the team and I think that's I what they that. should have done in the offseason already
1: and maybe that would be good for Hal if they do that like yeah. real early yeah that's still my hope
2: <laughs> so but but
1: so we... we're hoping we, that the coach gets fired at the right time that's our play well even if he got <laughs>
2: fired now I'd be you know I don't want anyone to lose their job but he shouldn't have, he, they should have made that movie, I think already. But uh, that is going to wrap us up for today's episode. We're going to have a, a second one, which will come out on Wednesday. But Pat, as we wrap things up, I did mention legendary and of course Sean being on the podcast last week. Anything that you want to to mention here as we approach the end of today's show?
1: Yeah, I'm doing a uh, third. I'm doing a 30 day trial right now. That's going to be uh, until the NFL draft. I'm going to drop that down to seven after the NFL draft. So. Uh, if you want to jump on that trial right now, you can. You can also get uh, a $30 discount if you sign up now legendaryupside.com slash early. You can get that. Uh, if you sign up for the trial, I'll also add the, the discount uh, on the back end. So feel free to do either way. Uh, yeah, so lots of lots of great content. I'm going to have best ball rankings dropping on the site as soon as the NFL draft is over. Those will be uploadable to Underdog. Uh, you know, best ball just just stepping all over the week that used to be dynasty week for us, the rookie drafts. So nobody have cares.
2: Best <laughs> <laughs> ball is is here and it's uh here to stay. It has just overtaken everything, but we will be back. Later this week on Wednesday, as I mentioned, to talk some wide receivers and tight ends with Pat. So do come back, check that out. Make sure you are subscribed to the Road of His Overtime podcast feed. Drop us a written review. We would really appreciate that. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And my co-host, as always, is Sean Siegel. Check out all of Sean's work up on rotaviz.com. And until next time, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rotovis Radio. Please rate and review the Rotovis Radio Podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovisradio at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotovis at the discount through the Rotovis Radio homepage, rotovis.com forward slash podcast.
0: Mother's Day is almost here.